Welcome to the Central Church of Christ podcast. We are located at 3501 Cheviot Avenue, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45211. It is our mission to worship God and follow Jesus as we love and serve in His name through the power of the Holy Spirit. Come see us sometime at 1030 on a Sunday morning or each Wednesday as we feed the community at 530 p.m. We hope the following message inspires you in some way. Do you have a story of generosity where someone was excessively kind to you? How would you define generosity? Maybe doing more than was expected or meeting a need with more than you needed at just the right time or going above and beyond. I didn't expect you to. Do you have a story of generosity? A story that you can tell when someone or a group was generous to you. Is generosity part of your normal language that you tell people that you care about them using that? Generosity is a gift of God's Holy Spirit. We'll learn about that. It's in Romans chapter 12. When I say that, I'm saying that to say some people are naturally blessed by God with this ability. And Paul says if, if, if your gift is generosity then do it with all your heart. Not everybody has this gift in excess, but all of us are to take on this trait. It's not okay for some of us Christians to be generous and some of us to be selfish and say, well, that's just not my spiritual gift. No, generosity is a way of the Lord. It's encouraged in the Bible and it's to be brought into our lives as a natural language how we communicate with others. This is what I was talking about at the beginning when you read the book of Philippians over and over and over in its entirety. You can start to look at it at some... I'm not totally advocating this, but I think there's value in looking at a book at an academic level at times. Here in Philippians chapter 4, we see Paul referencing back. He's ending the book the way he was beginning the book. Some of his themes that he started with, he's now reiterating. Themes of joy for the concern. Themes of sharing in troubles and difficulties and partnership in the Gospel. And we are going to read these. Turn to Philippians chapter 4 and look at verse 19. Paul ends with a theme that he began with, and that's the providence of God. Please understand this connection. The Philippians gave a gift to God and it was credited as God's providence. You guys hear that? When we give gifts to people in the name of Jesus, the goal is glory to God. And that's how Paul saw this, and that's how this gift was given. Uh, Verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His... uh, according to His riches in Christ Jesus. And look at verse 1-6. He just thanked them for their partnership in the Gospel and being confident of this, that He who began a good work in you will carry it on until completion, till the day of Christ Jesus. God is our provider. Oftentimes, people sense that or feel it or see that for the first time when God's children give generously and people can see God provides through His church. God provides through His people. 
And one of the uh, songs that Brooke led us in, one of the lines was, Be my inheritance. When we have God as our inheritance, we don't need to clutch the things that we have here. We already have our inheritance. We've been richly blessed with the gifts of God, and so we can have an open hand and a free hand with the things that he's entrusted us with here on earth. Living a generous life is living a godly life. And here we see, admittedly academically, but Paul ending his book the way he began his book, and I think that's a nice theme and a a way to wrap up a, a great letter. We know from the very beginning that the Philippian church was known for being generous. That's a great attribute for a church. I think this church is kind. I think this church is welcoming and loving. Maybe other things. What would you say about your church? When someone says, why do you go to the Central Church of Christ? I hope you have something on the tip of your tongue. Something kind and sweet to say. Something good to say about the church. I do. The Philippians were known for being generous. What a great compliment. One thing I want to make very, very clear, and have you hear me here. Oftentimes when we think generosity, we think money. It's not wrong, but that's just not it. That's not all of it. Much, 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 much more to generosity than money. And we'll see that today. I just lock that in your mind. I think it's natural. Oh, he's a very generous person. Yeah, what did he give you? Oh, she is so generous. Well, how much did you get? So we think money sometimes, but it's just more than that. Here we see that generosity was known by the Philippians for their partnership in the gospel and for their obedience to the gospel. That they accepted what they received from God and then they shared it and they teamed up with other people as an act of generosity. The giving and the receiving. Paul giving, the Philippians giving, Paul receiving, the Philippians receiving. This beautiful symbiotic giving and taking generosity that Paul shared with the Philippian church. Uh, we can see that specifically in uh, verse, or chapter 1, verse 5. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because, 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 because of your partnership in the gospel. Because you teamed up with me. Because you took on the ways of Christ and became like Christ. Because you received from me and then now you're giving back to me. What? It's amazing, this partnership that we could give and take back and forth and be a blessing to each other. Obedience for the gospel is a recognition of what God has given you. Obedient living with Christ is a direct recognition that God has blessed you and that He's right. We talk about this in the youth group a lot. At some level, as a disciple of Christ, you have to decide whether you're right or God's right. You've got to decide. Either your way is right, Lord God, or my way is right. As a disciple, a disciple of Jesus Christ says, Lord, I submit to you. Your way is right. Generosity does not feel natural to me, but I trust you. Saying I'm sorry, even if they don't say I'm sorry, doesn't sound natural to me. Doesn't feel right. Forgiving, that's weird. Hating is more natural. Revenge is more natural. Getting back is more natural. Now, ah, but your way is right. We're going to go with forgiveness. Obedience to the gospel. Uh, we can see that in, uh, 
also in uh, verses 127. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then when I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit. Being obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ is a recognition of the generosity that Jesus has given us. Another way that, that we can find generosity is in their mutual prayers. Uh, I love this prayer. In fact, this is one of my favorite prayers in the Bible is the one specifically that Paul speaks on behalf of the Philippian church in verse 9. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight and that you may be able to discern what is best, may be pure and blameless till the day of Christ, that you'll be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What a beautiful prayer offered from a person that loves the church that he's writing to. Beautiful prayer. But that wasn't, it wasn't just one-sided. Look at verse 19. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. This was back and forth. The Gospel of Jesus Christ isn't just about receiving. It's about giving. About giving back and forth. We see that through obedience and partnership. We see that through mutual prayers. And we see that through continued gifts and, and uh, support. I said earlier that the Philippian church was known for its generosity. Here in a paragraph, uh, you'll see Philippians chapter 4, uh, verse, starting in verse 14. Yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, you the Philippians know in the early days of our acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the manner of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire this, but I want to credit to you in Jesus. Generosity takes many, many forms. So let's have an open mind about what generosity is, and hopefully that sets the table for what we want to talk about today. What we want to talk about primarily is how do we cultivate generosity? How do we make it more than a thing that we just talk about? At some point, we said, as a disciple, you have to decide whether you're right or God's right. You've got to follow the Lord. At some point, you've got to say, being a Christian is more than just learning about Jesus. It's doing like Jesus. It's being like Jesus. That's, sometimes that gets lost in translation. We get, we get to thinking that learning about Jesus and going to church are the most important things. No, being like Jesus, from what we learn about Jesus, that's, that's where it really, really happens. And so today I want to talk about cultivating generosity, growing it. When you think about cultivating generosity, I want us to all to be gracious with each other all of the time, because not one of us is at the same place in every topic than everybody else. So we have to be kind to each other up and down this spectrum of growth. There are things that you're really good at in the Lord that you understand that come natural to you. And it's like your love language and it's, it just comes out of you normally and other people are terrible at it. And you look at them like, what? You don't get this, do you? What's wrong with you? Well, it just happens to be something that they're a youngling at and you're a pro at. And I guarantee there's things that other people are pros at. And you're this junior learner and they're looking at you. Well, come on. Get on the train, bud. We need to be generous with each other up and down this scale 
as we each come in contact with the teachings of Jesus Christ and we each embrace the teachings of Jesus Christ, some of us are better at things than others, and that's okay. Teach us. Some of us are learners, and be patient with us. Let's be kind to each other up and down that scale of learning. This is a critical teaching of Jesus, and I want our, I want our church to just really marinate on this and let this be something that we're all about. We've got, to, we've got to find our heart. We've got to find our heart. And I think this church does a great job at this. But I know there's more, there, there's, there's more in there that we can, we can pull out. Passion and compassion are emotion words. I am not advocating that we run our church just on emotion. That sounds super dangerous, like way up and down, sounds scary. I, I, I think we should be level-headed, wise, considerate, intentional. I think we should let wisdom reign, the holy words of Scripture reign. But, I say that also, we've got to find our care, our want to, our heart, where it, where it makes something, where it, it drives us where we see a need and we're compelled to meet a need because we care about that person we care about that purpose or we care about the family. Cultivating generosity is finding your passion. Finding things that you are compassionate about. Paul says, I'm so thankful that you renewed your concern for me. They had this partnership, but here comes Epaphroditus to Rome, knocking on the door of the, the house cell that Paul was being held at with a gift. What do you think Paul's response was? I just said it over there. Oh man, give me a hug. What do you think the Philippian church was, was feeling as they knew Epaphroditus was being sent with this gift? And it wasn't just money, it was stuff and things. Things that met needs. They couldn't wait. They didn't have email and text and IM and all these things. They didn't have all of this stuff. They were sitting there. You think Epaphroditus is there yet? Think he got there yet? You think Paul got that bag? Think he got that thing that I knitted him or made him or whatever it was? This anticipation, this passion, this compassion that they entrusted Epaphroditus to take this message of love to Paul. And when he received it, Paul said, I'm so... Oh man, it's meant so much that I knew you renewed your concern for me. I knew you had my back, but man, here Epaphroditus is with all this stuff, and I'm you, and I love you. It's passion. Jesus does not advocate robotic Christianity. Do as I say. You know, fruit. It's very emotional, but intelligent emotions as well. We've got to find our reasons here. We talked about that continued support. I want to give you some examples of this, and, and, and these are powerful examples in my opinion. I just loaded some, some lame examples in my sermon today. These are powerful examples, I think. All right, yeah. Why would you use an example in a sermon that you didn't think was a good one, Steve? I don't know. These are, things, these are good ones. Acts chapter 3. These are great examples of passion and compassion, I think. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple for the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth 
was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going to the temple courts. When Peter and John, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. You can't meet every need but you can be compassionate in some way in every situation. There's many acts of compassion that we can find in Acts chapter 3. The fact that they looked at Him, they didn't walk by, they didn't change sides of the street, they didn't ignore Him. The fact that somebody brought this guy every day to make a living there, it's another sign of compassion. Somebody cared about this person. And then this phrase, burn this in your minds, I don't have this but here's what I do have. You might not have everything. You might not have just the thing, but do you have something that can help? You're not expected to give what you don't have, but God says if your inheritance is in heaven, then give what you have and do it for the glory of God. Another example of Jesus not just being a robot that, that we're to follow robotically, obediently, all these things. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Those are, those are emotion words. Those are passion words. Those are compassion words. God saw a need, so he met it in the best thing that he had with Jesus. We've got to find our why and our want to. We've got to find the heart of the gospel. Be willing to walk in it. I think a real secret sauce of generosity is having a gracious heart. Being a person that lives a life of gratitude. Being thankful. Just being a thankful person. And here's maybe a challenge for this week. Here's one. I already said one. If you haven't read the whole book of Philippians, read it this week. It's four chapters. Here's the second one. Write down a list of people that have been gracious to you. Who have met a need. Maybe you've already told them thank you, but what they did mattered to you. It made a difference in your life. Write those names down. Write down what they did. If you haven't said thank you, here's your punishment, shame on you, then just go do better. Go write something to them. Tell them thank you. Living a life of gratitude is the secret sauce, in my opinion, to living a life of generosity. Paul says when he receives the gift, listen, I'm already amply supplied. Does that mean he didn't need the gifts of the Philippian church? No, he absolutely needed them. But he was wanting them to know also that he's got everything he needs in the Lord. Joel talked last week about the, I've learned the secret of being content. That, that's what leads up to these verses. Paul is saying, you met a need for me but we all have our greatest needs met already in Christ. I want to read this story to you. 
I doubt I'll be able to do that, this without crying. This is one of the most emotion-filled stories in all of the New Testament. It's such a practical example of living a life of gratitude in the face of scorn even. It's compelling. Listen to this story. Uh, This is Luke chapter 7, verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar. We're going to read the rest of this. You've got to hear the emotion of this story. She wasn't welcome there. All eyes were on her. She was the shame of the house. Everyone at the table was leaning over. What is she doing here? How did she get in? What's she doing here? She's not supposed to be. Who did he? So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him, At his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. The gratitude that this woman felt towards Jesus turned her hair into towels. And her tears into a fountain. This expensive jar of alabaster wasn't big enough, but it's what she brought. It's what she had. She wished she had a bigger one. And she laid it all at Jesus' feet, wetting her feet with her tears, drying them with her hair, and kissing them because she had been forgiven by the Lord. A life of gratitude compelled her to do this ridiculous thing. Probably this dangerous thing, frankly. I love that story. If that doesn't pull something, you might want to go to the puller guy and get your pull things fixed because your pull things are broken. That's a serious story of gratitude that compels action for God's glory. Let's look at this one in Luke chapter 19. I'm not going to read it, but the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector, the Jew who got in bed with the Romans to extort the Jews. Bad guy in the neighborhood. Super rich because he extorted his national fellows to give it back to the Romans and to put big bread on his table. Not a good dude. When Zacchaeus came in contact with Jesus, what was his response? I'll pay back anyone I've extorted four times. 
take it all. That's a life of gratitude. That's a life of generosity. We're going to go through these quickly. We've already talked about it, and that's why. Joel uh, preached on it uh, last week about knowing the secret of being content in any and all circumstances. We've already talked about it today with the, the song that Brooke led about having our inheritance in heaven. When we trust God, we can let go of things. When, our, when the biggest deal has already been provided for us, we don't have to hold so tightly these little things. We can be more generous when we know we've been provided for and cared for. And it's a trust thing. I'm not saying it's easy. I think that's one of the beautiful things about living in community is we all help each other do these big things that are really hard for humans to do. It's easy to be selfish. It's easy to be greedy. It's easy to be materialistic. It's hard to be content. It's hard to be generous. It's hard to live contented life. But we help each other by encouraging each other, not shaming each other, by encouraging each other. But, whoa, something important? Nah. The last thing I want to talk about today before we close is uh, how Paul frames this generous gift. And it's not, he's not the only one to do it. Paul frames this gift that he received from the Philippians as a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice to God. Now, all of you that have been with the Bible for a little bit, you understand the Old Testament and the New Testament, you understand the altar, the temple, the sacrifice for sins, the, the literal killing and the bloodletting and the blood on the hands to atone for the sins that Jesus took that, the ultimate sacrifice, for us, doing something that we could not do for ourselves. He became Jesus Christ, our atoning sacrifice. His blood covers us, and it's His name that we're baptized into. Paul frames gifts given to the glory of God in Jesus' name as a sacrifice, echoing up these holy words these ancient words, these ritual, churchy words, because he wants you to know that it's in direct contact, that people have been doing these things from way back. This is an ancient practice of sacrifice. What kind of sacrifice do we bring? Do we bring the lame and the broken down? No, we bring the first fruits, the best, the blameless, the pure. Those are the ones that are holy and acceptable to God. And that's how Paul frames this gift that he receives from the Philippians as a holy sacrifice, a fragrant offering. And the last thing that we'll look at is Romans chapter 12 quickly. Paul does a good job of taking both of these ancient things and these new things and helping us understand that it's really just one thing. Romans chapter 12, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. What you have, who you are, give it to the Lord is the encouragement. This is your true and proper worship. 
Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. Cherie talked about this. But be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. He goes on here. I'm going to read this next paragraph. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one, as one body with many uh, members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, though we are many, form one body, and each member belongs to the other. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's encouraging, give encouragement. If it's giving, then do it generously. If it's leading, then do it diligently. If it's showing mercy, do it cheerfully. Our gifts to God, our sacrifices to God are holy and pleasing in His name. Our spiritual acts of worship are taking the ways of Jesus and making them alive in us. Generosity was praised by Paul to the Philippians, and it's an encouragement to all of us. As a recap, here's what we're talking about. Generosity is graciously returning God's gifts for His glory. It's an act of gratitude. It confirms your contentedness. And the question for all of us this week, not are you generous, how are you generous? How are you generous? Lord, if these words are true, let them sink deep in us, help them to make us restless. Anything that's uh, confirming, that's true about your spirit, Lord God, allow it to be alive in us and, and allow us the desire to be like you uh, in all things. Thank you for the generosity that we've received. May we live lives of generous gratitude. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.